2: So, you two being guitar players of the last 20 years, who stands out? Give me one, Neil.
3: I would say one that stood out from day one is um, Josh Holm from Queens of the Stone Age. I I really, to this day, I love his sound. Anytime I hear that band playing, I'm like, holy shit, that is some really creative, fast, articulate, good guitar playing.
2: Yeah, no, I, I, I love Josh Holm. He, um, did, were you there with me When we saw them At the forum On Halloween No I was jealous That was a, that was a great show and Cause I,
3: that, I mean what What's a better night To see them Yeah that's true uh,
2: Yeah I, I I really do enjoy His guitar playing Jonathan what you got
0: I think Dave Matthews Is a fantastic guitar player Because He's one of the few people That you can tell Who it is As soon as you hear him. Like he just has A certain thing It's very hard to do that His shit Of all the folks That imit uh, Like imitate or mimic it's really tricky and quirky what he does. It's not, it's not simple either. And and the fact that he's singing while he's doing it, no one ever talks about how good his guitar playing is.
2: I I mean it's a little too like it's just too like there's too much acoustic strumming going on. I think probably for me though I I, I do get what you're saying. There's also a lot of picking, a lot of good rhythmic stuff. Yeah, it's also, tricky. He's nineties,
0: but we'll let will I mean he, he's he's had a longer career <laughs> in the. T- I mean he he got he started in like 94, 93, but like. The bulk of it, yeah. like, he's been a big... Yeah, but
2: the the bulk of his output was in yeah. the 90s. Uh, I'll do one that's a little more recent in the last few years is uh, a guy named Adam Granduciel. I, I actually don't know how to say his last name. He's the good guy from War on Drugs. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. I think he has really defined uh, a, a space in rock music today that... Yeah that I enjoy. And it's very guitar based and very guitar heavy. And yeah, he's playing a lot, but it's, it's melodic. It's beautiful. It's really good.
3: Yeah. And I'm jealous you thought of that one. It, it, he, he really did, you know, carve out a, you know, it's, it's not, he's not doing anything special, but it's a unique sound.
2: Uh, Neil, what you got
3: uh, for your second one? Well, just to toe the line, like Jonathan did. And I I think he's most of his output is in um, this century, but I must m- mention uh, Derek Trucks. I mean, he is kind of my, out of all guitar players, I'd choose him like if I if I wanted to be in a band with someone or just kind of like what I want to listen to when I want to listen to just great, great guitar playing in the style. I like blues mixed with like very creative kind of Indian intervals. He just had, it's just beautiful. He's making music. He's not playing the guitar. And that's what I like about him.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's on, you know, I mean, he'd be on most lists, I think, just in terms of technical playing. And I, I just don't know enough Tadeshi Trucks to really say.
3: Yeah, and I'm not talking about, I mean, Tadeshi Trucks is great, but just what he did with the Allman Brothers um, for the last 20 years and kind of, I mean, Tadeshi Trucks can, it's certainly more of the adult contemporary. But when Derek Trucks just plays the blues or is in a jam, when he's more in that element, more of a rock element, like he can definitely get a little. A little soft, Rocky. Um, hey Johnny, what what you got? Well, he's not really a, a big guy, and he's really
0: more of a producer now, but like definitely a very unique voice. Is um, this guy Blake Mills.
2: I like his guitar style, yeah. Oh,
0: his guitar style is man, it's crazy unique. I used to go see him play at this bar. A friend of mine is a friend of his, and I used to see him go see, uh, at a bar down by the airport, <laughs> which is always just fun to say. He just was playing with all these great players, and they're just kind of improvising stuff, and but. It's that same kind of thing, I think, that Neil's talking about with like uh, with Derek Trucks, where he's just, like, kind of very unique, very quirky, interesting. And I, I don't know that I want to play like him, per se, but I'm so glad that, like, he does. And he produced the Alabama Shakes album. That, yeah, you know, the, the um, yeah, Sound
2: and Color. And then he produced some I John don't think Legend. I,
0: know,
3: I don't think hey, I know him. Please you should send check me some of his out.
2: stuff. He is more of a producer now, but, like, he was in a band with the guy from Dolls. And then oh, they cool. kind of split apart, and and he has some really cool sto- solo stuff, and and the guitar playing sounds great. Well, he was at Me, the
0: right. he was at the crossroads thing of the Clapton thing, and he wasn't no. a big name that most folks recognize. But when he played, like the old dudes, like were like, oh man, this kid's fucking unique. They could tell, like, oh, he's got a, a really unique thing going on, he's, he's and he's got very a understated. Seems real cool. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I'm gonna cheat a little bit with my next one because it's a it's it's it's. I, I mean, I would probably say Jim James. But I gotta say Carl Bromo with him because they're the two gu- guitar. There's two leads in my morning jacket, and that they are the two leads, and just they they play so well together. It's very, I mean, it's not exactly like Almonds or Skinner where y- you have kind of. But it's no, it's not. It, it's modern. <laughs> well, I mean, it's modern day as good as you're as close as you're gonna get to that, and and in some ways more. Experimental, you know, because they get outside of kind of the southern rock. I don't know if they get sometimes. into it. I've
3: never heard them get, get into they, the southern rock. The genre. Well, well, you, you look, need to look. listen to more of them. I, I love My Morning Jacket, and they're not more experimental than the Old right, Neil, uh, do you consider
0: them southern rock?
3: No, me either. Um, but uh, I, I, I've never gone to a My Morning Jacket show, being like, I can't wait for those guitars. When I think of My Morning Jacket, guitar is not even part of the. The guitar is more huh. textural. Like, and I dig. I think it's great what they're doing. It's just as a guitar player. Their songwriting and their uh, performances as He's a, a good whole singer band too. is more important to me. Yeah, it's I, 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 it's all. I, I love them. I've seen One them many big times.
2: Circuital and highly suspicious, suspicious, highly suspicious. I think those are three <laughs> songs that just The guitars in those songs are I as think good they... as any guitar work that I that I, I like that the guitar and, and those songs more yeah. than just about anything about yeah this century.
0: and i right yeah I, th- and I think
3: it's really good stuff
0: no i'm just laughing because you guys keep saying this century it's like fucking 20 years now it's like it's not it's, it's
3: like a, hey that's that's a fifth of the century <laughs> yeah but a century suggests
0: 100 years like you could you could easily say in the last 20 years in the last 20 years it would sound more excuse
2: of, me in the last just 20 a, years the
3: 21st century just sounds more epic i know but it's also <laughs> like to the point of all right neil give me give me your last one Ah, uh, we can't leave out old Danny. Old Danny Auerbach. Yeah, yeah. He's been crushing it for a couple Still decades now. And again, he never completely my, melts my mind. He's not like a fast. I'm never like, oh my God, how's he doing that? I'm like, how did he come to that decision to write such a cool song with these riffs?
2: Yeah, um, definitely more and, a riff guy than a lead guy.
3: Well, and sure. a tone. Tones yeah. and riff and then... Coupling that with great songwriting, a good voice, voice and yeah. just overall production. like Great riff writer. Um, yeah, riff writer. Jonathan, who's, who's your last
0: pick? Uh, the guy I have, I mean, he's, he's never been really famous in his own right, and I definitely discovered him right about the year 2000. Um, he's a session guy and and touring guitar player who plays with like Peter Frampton and the Black Crows and the Dixie Chicks and Sheryl Crow. And he's a guy from um, North Carolina named Audley Freed. I first saw him with the Black Crows, and I was like, He's just one of those guys who's most folks aren't gonna know who he is, but because he plays with everybody and can play fucking anything, he's one of the baddest fucking guitar players you'll ever see. Like him, Jimmy Herring, Warren Haynes are all like from North Carolina. Yeah, and like and they're all kind of about the same. Jimmy Herring may be a little older, but and there's another uh-huh. guy named Peter, I think Stroud, who plays with Cheryl Crow, who's from Greensboro. But Aldi Freedman, he's like Eddie Van Halen meets you know, Dwayne Allman kind of shit where it's like bluesy and a rock, but then he'll just start put a couple of things in there. It's like, whoa. And so he's a, he's a super bad motherfucker. That's
2: a, that's, uh, that's a lot right there. It's a whole lot. <laughs> can't, can't do a best guitar player of the last 20 years slash 21st century slash this century. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you can't, I mean, Jack White has written some of the most memorable riffs of yeah the past 20 years. He's, he's so he has there, to, he has sure. to be in the, in the conversation. I would say, you know, Seven Nation Army, probably the most popular riff of the.
3: Yeah, it's yeah. Let me um, let me check my files. I'll get back. To yeah.
2: It. Like, and you know, Icky <laughs> Thump. Is, well, I'd say, is a, is since gr- like,
3: yeah, but Icky Thump, like who knows that not many people know that since too. I would say Icky
2: Thump was pretty popular. I mean, it was. Yeah. As I a mean, guitar I, teacher, I,
3: you can tell. If anyone's not a guitar possible. player and I asked them about Icky Thump, they'd be like, what did you call me? <laughs> but like as a guitar teacher, you see <laughs> and like Icky
2: Thump says what? <laughs>
3: Huh?
0: Um, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, as a guitar teacher, you you see like what people are are what's really motivating people, and, and Seven Nation Army definitely probably the biggest riff since like smells like Teen Spirit, I'd say, because that's another big one that down 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 yeah, not exactly riff, but kind of. Um, I
2: mean, it became a soccer. And like oh, a sport. Yeah. when it becomes a sports arena, like mantra, then like you kind of right, you could you could drop the pick and walk out, you know, exactly uh, <laughs> with your ex-wife. And hmm. And on that note, you are listening to gave Rock and Roll to you. And this week, we are talking about the best guitar players of the 21st century, or our favorite guitar players of the 21st century, because Which this isn't week Josh? we will. <laughs> uh, Where's the money, Lebowski? Favorite, favorite, favorite! It's our favorite. Uh, (laughs) Because this week we will be discussing uh, the White Stripes' "Ball and Biscuit" uh, from their 2003 album Elephant. So yeah, I mean, I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure I bought Elephant like when it came out in 2003 and listened to it over and over again. It was like a, it was the same year that Youth and Young Manhood, King of Leon came out, Room on Fire, The Strokes. It was a good good year for. So you're saying 20... there was one good album. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good year for twenty year old me and the and the music I was into <laughs> at the time. And, and look, Seven Nation Army is obviously the standout on the album, and I just don't know what I, to do with myself. as fan is a fantastic rendition, but this tune is like what drew me into the White Stripes. I, I don't think I'd heard much of them before this album, or really, I think I saw Seven Nation Army the music video and was like, "What the fuck is this?" and then went and bought the album. But this song I, I was drawn to because it. Was music that I heard growing up a lot in Mississippi. Just around, I wasn't listening to blues music all the time in Mississippi, but it was just owned in like gas stations, random lunch spots, and stuff like that. And this was it was kind of the same shit being played in like a new context for my generation. And I just I thought it was super unique, and it rocks. And it adhered to the original sound of, of blues and structure and format. And it just sounded like the old bluesman with a buzz pedal, I guess. And so I really, really dug it. Really dig it. Do you think you
0: will continue to dig it in the future? Yeah. Well, what we covered too, I'm going to go ahead and do the third tense. <laughs> um, what do you think about it, Neil?
3: I think it has a ton of attitude, great tone, great guitar tone. I think that's why it works so well. Definitely they took a classic blues riff line and just made the most of it. Like one thing you can tell about this song is just it's raw energy, just kind of taking a a classic palette and doing your own painting over top of it. But at the same time it's 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 kind of not my thing. I don't love it. I, I I respect it, but I just I don't I don't love what's going on and most of it is because It's too much emotion um, and not enough melody and kind of craftsmanship, which I respect, but I just don't want to listen to it a lot. It's interesting when you do something that's
0: good and also almost redundant. But I think in a way, that's a testament to how good Jack White is at that kind of stuff. I mean, with other songs, there's more of a clearly defined riff, like this is clearly his contribution. Like with this... There's really not even exactly a riff. I mean, there's kind of a riff, but it's mainly just like good tone and like a lot of like really strong intention, which, you know, you could argue is what blues is. right? You could argue that's why it's so legit. But like with Jack White, he's doing so little, but yet it sets a mood i don't know it's like coming up with some amazing limerick or something it's like it's, there's a billion of them and like but and so th- in that case most people don't stand out with it so it's almost like the fact that he stands out mm-hmm. yeah makes it more impressive but i do like it. i'll put it on for sure you know i love uh, when it comes on i'm always glad especially the beginning uh, it gets a bit tedious into the solos i have interest you know we can talk about his solos later but one thing i will say this everyone loves the shit on meg white and yet the music she plays on is my favorite Jack White stuff. So, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. it's cool. It's not exactly innovative at the same time in a way it is because he expresses himself, you can tell something about Jack White through the vehicle of this 12 bar blues, and that is one of the hardest things to do. Mm-hmm. You could argue every great rock band has done it. And so that puts him in good company.
3: Yeah. I think ninety nine percent of the time when you try to just do straight blues it goes it goes bad. But so it's hard to actually take something so classic because just that bone ban on that I don't know I mean that's just it doesn't get any more Sunhouse or just kind of classic kind of blues than that and to take that and make something of it is yeah. really cool but still I'm not gonna put it on too often because it's it's a little too much too much and too little at the same time well it's too much it's <laughs> too much emotion and yeah you know it's it's raw energy which is cool
2: but you know I'll, I'll agree he gets a little frenetic sometimes in his guitar playing and his voice as well is. A specific taste. It's not. You're, yeah. It's not very melo- It's not very melodic in general. Again, He's doing it's the same thing. What it's, he can with what he has. It's just
3: screaming with pure emotion. You can hear that coming through. That's why it's. That's why it sounds
1: good.
2: And Jonathan, you said you know, to do, doing something that's redundant. But I mean, the blues is redundant, right? And just but especially
0: now, like it's, you gotta realize as a guitar player, like, you just hear people. Do it to death, and it's never any good. But the well, fact that yeah. he makes it. I, I, but my point is the fact that he makes it good is, really puts him in rare company. Yeah. It's actually well, a testament to how good he is. It's
2: it's similar to the Dixie. You know what I was saying in the Dixie Chicken episode of of this type of music. It's a fine line to do this and it not be yeah, cheesy. Yeah,
3: he's taking from old blues, but it's it's not. Old blues. It is angsty, angsty white man's blues.
2: What twelve-bar blues song was getting any yeah pub in the you know since Stevie Ray Vaughan? Really, I hear you. I hear you. I don't know. Maybe it's because it's 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 pretty much just him and drums. I feel like he sounds more like a traditional bluesman than most like '60s blues rock bands that are playing as bands. You know, I'm talking about like the solo guys from the 20s and 30s that are just yeah, playing with it no no he definitely like he he's tapped, recreating it, he, he that tapped
3: like into he tapped into that um raw broken down like it's just me and a guitar the drums are just there to give him a beat i kind of when i first heard it i definitely resented him for it but i've come around a little bit um <laughs> i resented him for it <laughs> well it's just it was like i said it's just too much it was too much at once like all right and whoa man so are you saying this is emo blues yes yes
2: I am <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't completely disagree with that
0: so there's a couple things he does that most people don't do when they play blues the first thing is he fucking means it yes that a lot of people when they play blues they're like oh it's just three chords and they play it like it's just three chords and they're assholes no, he means it because they're just out there going through the motions of what they consider to be a simple, talking to you Bonamaza <laughs> well, you know, no, he's not. He's that's a different kind of situation, but no, they just they just treat it. They treat it like parameters, like out of bounds and inbounds, and but they're not telling their story. What Jack White is doing here is he's actually telling his story, and that comes true, and that is what art is about, and that's why he's, that's the difference between him and a wedding band. You know mm-hmm. that's playing a blues because they're just they'd be like, oh, it's just EA and B and it's just like, yeah, and you're playing it like it's just EA and B where he's using it as a vehicle to like say what's on his mind. The other thing he does is that he never forgets that it's a song. Once again, it's not simply a chord progression. A lot of people treat it just like it's just a fucking chord progression and it's like no, it's a song. So he there's narrative in there that a lot of people leave out, and Absolutely. the thing, and the difference between him and the rock bands of the sixties and seventies is this is more of the delta bluesy stuff, Josh, which yeah. is why you're talking where the other guys are more Chicago. So he's mm-hmm. more of the mm-hmm. like lone guy. Yeah, you almost can't he do the this.
3: delta blues with a band. It's got to be stripped Absolutely.
0: down. Absolutely. Once the bass comes in, it's not really delta. But <laughs> the fact that he has his fucking ex wife playing drums tells you he might be the craziest motherfucker ever in blues because that's <laughs> insane. <laughs> that's just nuts. So he's a wild man. He has that character of spirit of hey, I'm doing it. I don't I don't the fact that he did it. It's got a lot like Brian Setzer, you know, with like the Stray Cats. It's like if you put out something good enough, it doesn't matter what era it is. If it's if it's good, mm-hmm. you can change yeah. you can pull everything right to you. But it it can't um, it has to be good.
2: You know, we we we've touched on it, but obviously my favorite part of the song is the guitars. I never resented it, Neil. Uh, <laughs> resented them. <laughs> i i just thought they were badass i mean especially i I think the pinnacle of the song is the second solo oh yeah oh yeah when there's like a little break there and it's just like you know i mean like that is so good like the first time i heard it i was like oh this has everything i want in (laughs) in music that i'm listening (laughs) to at this time
1: At that time of my life,
2: I was a little past the classic rock stuff, you know, I mean, I still like listening to it, but it was just like, all right, I've heard Zeppelin and mm-hmm. fucking Cream and all this shit and plenty of times. And it was just something just really rot Like the, the Strokes didn't have guitar solos like this that were this good. Kings Leon did not. <sighs> I really wasn't in My Morning Jacket much
3: mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm.
2: So it, it was just kind of the first kind of new rock that I had heard that sounded like this and I I agree with you Neil like there's there's almost too much distortion sometimes and too much freneticism in what and how he plays and yeah. kind of interrupts the the melody What melody But when you can go when you, when you can impress me in the first one and then kind of keep impressing me as you go along it's just great
3: Yeah I think it is cool that he experiments so much in this song there it's It's almost an opposite, like the guitar is the star of the show. The words are just kind of there to support all this guitar experimentation. And I don't think these solos are that great. I think they're um, noteworthy because of the emotion he's putting in, but there's never any resolve to any kind of melody. It's purely just, let me hit these any blues note I want with supreme confidence. Just just all over the place. Just never, but never playing any kind of melody or any swing. It's just all, let me hit these notes as hard as I can. And I agree with you at the end of the second solo, where he just puts that little vibrato. He's like, like there's this one part at like 418 where he just, it's really my favorite part of the song. And as a guitar player, there's just nothing for me to bite onto other than just seeing someone just like almost fall over, like spinning around like a fucking whirling dervish playing guitar. I don't know.
0: I love the, main body of the guitar, uh, of the song, like the, his guitar playing that in the, the riff. Boom, bah, boom. bam, bam bam, yep. boom, boom. Down, bam yeah, boom. bam That's great. The solo, okay, since there's no bass, he has to take up a lot of space. He can't play traditionally the way Clapton or somebody plays because otherwise it'll just disappear. So he has to kind of imitate what a slide guy does, a guy with a slide does, or like where he's making a lot of racket. But the way he achieves that is he's using... An octave pedal where he, there's an octave above the note mm-hmm. he's playing. Yeah And the tone of that always to me sounds like someone slaughtering a fucking pig.
3: Yeah. Because no, there's this I- high <laughs> squeal
0: on the very top of the tone and it drives me batshit crazy. <laughs> but that being said, he doesn't really have a choice but to make a lot of racket and doubling <laughs> it's your a lot guitar of racket. tone. It's a
3: lot of racket.
0: Right. Doubling your guitar tone is a great way to do it. So while I don't love the solo, I think it fits the song well. And if I didn't have a... I think with a slide, you could get there. But without a slide, it's very impressive. It's very impressive. Like, like I said, he... He makes it his own. I don't, I'm not gonna say I love it, but I do love it yeah. for the song, but this, the solo is the part I like least.
3: Yeah. And I think, oh. I think with production a little bit, they're doing, it's only one guitar. There's no bass, but there's some heavy, fuzzy, low guitar notes. Oh, like supporting an octave. Yeah. There's an octave. Well, and the octave pedal, like every <laughs> solo who he ever takes is octave pedal. Madness. I'm like, whoa, dude. Just slow down a second, fucking. Instead of reefer madness, it's <laughs> octafetal madness. But
0: you can't though, because there's nothing. If you slow down, there's gonna be nothing there except a drum kit being played pretty yeah, well. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, so first of all, I'll take a little uh, I'll, I'll hit back. The result, there's plenty of resolve in the solo.
3: No. Of course, of course, it's not just complete dissonant notes of course there's something there but there's not enough to like really hang on to i i I can there's enough for me to hang on to there's 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 enough
2: slack
0: you know what you know the point of that solo is is to get you away from that riff so he can come back into it Mm -hmm. so he can quiet it all down and be badass Mm -hmm. again Mm -hmm. that's really the point
2: but just in terms of the solos like when i saw them live this song is probably the best song of the of the show I've seen him do it live where he doesn't do the solo at, as well. It's even more frenetic. But the song sounds like he's playing it to get to those solos. Yeah. Whereas I get what you're saying in the in the album version, Jonathan. But I, st- I still feel like there's a lot of anticipation for him to bust out in, in the song.
0: Well, I think the thing is, too, I think, Josh, maybe with Neil and I is like, there's some guys who usually with the bass player, but there's a lot of three-piece bands like a la Cream, a la Hendrix, I love Zeppelin when Robert Plant's not singing where those and there's some dudes who can go fucking hard and some damn guitar solos like and really fucking plague and like I said the Cla- Jack White doesn't have a bass player but he's probably serves himself by not having one because if he did now he's playing with the big boys so if you got a bass player now you're playing with the Clapton's and the Jimmy Page's and the Hendrix of the world so, he does himself a favor by not going head to head with those guys. He keeps kind of guys.
2: it super. Su- so, so, you're saying he's trying not to go head to head with his contemporary, John Mayer? Well,
0: oh, no, he can do that fine. Probably, he can him, smack him around he wants, don't care. He's definitely a much more interesting guitar player.
3: Josh, you said your favorite is to see it live. But I think live, this song probably has about a 10% chance of being amazing or 90% chance of just being out of tune. <laughs> like, uh, there's a 90% mess. chance of sucking tonight, boys. Uh, let's
0: see what happens. Uh,
3: but I do love that. About this song, that he never, I doubt he ever plays the same solo on either of the breaks. Yeah. Um, Which is cool. Like I said, it's just a bed for him to experiment on and just to let his emotions out. But most of what I watched a lot of live versions, like I couldn't get through it all. He hits these chords so hard. Like I almost pictured his guitar, like looking at him, like, oh no. Not ball and biscuit. <laughs> not no. Not ball and biscuit. No. Not, not again. I thought we were gonna skip it tonight. <laughs> like scared, trying I'll to run good. off stage. I'll like, be good. No. <laughs> I won't misbehave anymore. But I'll stay in tune for you.
2: There's really only guitar and drums going on in the song. You can throw the drums in there as well. But what what stands out to me about both of those, and I, I find super impressive, they both sound like it's something you're hearing in a bar live. It doesn't necessarily sound like you're hearing a recording. If you just listen to the drums and that, it's recorded live.
0: I mean you can tell it's recorded live.
2: <clears throat> yeah, and but but the other stuff you could tell like this what this was there was some work done here. That just seems right. like I could walk into a bar and hear the two of them doing that on a stage. And and again it comes back to that point of that's super impressive because it's very easy to make that fucking cheesy in, in a live setting. It just To be is, fair, so. most people
0: don't do that. Like, before a hymn, I never saw that before, really. You, there's a certain level of commitment and certainty and audacity to be like, fuck it. All I need is a drummer, and I can handle this. Like, there aren't many guys that do that.
3: No, just as far as that style of band, just a guitar player and a bass, like... From a guitar player's perspective, it is so fun and easy. If you can get loud and raw enough, no one has to follow you. No notes. You can take the song wherever you want, which is kind of cool. And, and it, it gives you a lot of freedom to kind of really express yourself because you don't have to be like, and four.
2: I, I will say, just maybe to wrap up the guitar, the first solo, he, I do feel like he holds back a little bit more than the sure. second, and it does sound like more of a Delta Bluesman guitar playing solo would sound. And the second one's more, as Neil said, an unleashing of octave octave pedal madness.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Fucking, the fucking slaughterhouse. I mean, he definitely is channeling Jimmy here a bit. Both Jimmys from Zeppelin as well. Um, But he just doesn't put it, they always put in those little sweet melodic licks in between all that. Yeah, he's doing,
0: I think he's really doing a sunhouse kind of thing, but he's like a modern sunhouse vibe. And, And he
3: said that.
2: I've I've read an article where he said my entire goal as a musician is to sound like a modern Sunhouse. Well, there you go. And we we should mention Jack White playing guitar, Meg White on the drums, and Jack White produced this song.
3: The best part of the whole song is the name. I mean, it's a genius, just kind of catchy, cool. It makes the song a lot cooler. I think without Ball and Biscuit, I'm not sure how well known this song would be. What the hell is he even talking about? I mean, he's I don't know what he's channeling. I don't know if he's trying to be sexy. I kind of don't believe him if he is
2: it it follows a pretty traditional narrative for for this genre of music i mean it's 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 braggadocious it's confident it's like overconfident like with the with the hook that 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 has to be cool i mean you listen to say take something like robert johnson's hot tamales Mm
3: -hmm, mm
2: -hmm. kind of a ridiculous song but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. hot Tamale they're red hot yeah it's got for sale i mean it it sounds it sounds cool Uh, and like an advertisement but for what (laughs) gold <laughs> bond, <laughs> but, but yeah, <laughs> but it does. It does take the heat out. Yeah, well, it could be the it, hot know, tamales. Like right. even all the, <laughs> <laughs> even even all the way to like you know yeah you just wait you stick around you'll figure it out and he kind of ends everything on a very like. Yeah, I'm I'm the man, and you know <laughs> he sure you soon soon you know soon enough you'll care by the time I'm done, or I'll let you see it if you want before you go. I mean, like a lot of like I'll show you, mm-hmm. and then like even during the chorus of where he's kind of you know we get clean together, like future tense, like they're stone now. I mean, which is pretty typical, is common blues trope.
0: The the let's get clean together. I don't take that as a drug thing. I think of it as a like most folks if, if you're thinking of having a ball like in sex, it's like. It almost feels like getting dirty, but it feels like it's so extreme that like it almost like cleanses you like through fire of passion or some kind of wow, shit, which I think deep. is very cool. I
2: feel like that is yeah. a I feel like that is a reach. Getting deep. But, well, but what a lot the hell? does it mean
0: on, quit drugs together? You think that's what it means? Like, well,
2: no. A, lo- a lot of people online think ball and biscuit. So ball and biscuit is another word for uh, speedball. So ball is the coke, but you and don't biscuit eat is the on
0: cocaine, from what I hear.
2: But biscuit is the heroin. Oh. It's a speedball. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's th- that a name like for, for a speedball. No, that that's an actual name for a speedball. That's what people call speedballs. Oh,
3: is ball yeah, of biscuit? Yeah, and it well, is a micro. It is a microphone. But, but he said it's, a, it's microphone about a microphone that he recorded this so, song on. Who the fuck knows?
0: Oh, that's cool. But I still like to get clean together. Being like, maybe I don't know. Maybe it's like to get really fucking dirty. Who knows? Oh,
2: Alright yeah. <laughs>
0: because that's that is a cornerstone thing of blues you can see how hip-hop came from blues where it's just basically rhythmic and someone's Mm -hmm. just saying what they're just saying their piece right i think his some of his lyrics are awkward i think he has a couple too many syllables in some of them it's kind of like i'm the best and i'll show you if you just keep watching me now i'm watch me it's like yo dude there's too many fucking syllables Whereas like with Muddy Waters, he's like, well, I wish I was a catfish. I mean, it's very... so, But it's cool. It's a little awkward. It's a little dorky. Uh, But there is the intent there, and that is what blues is, really. And I think all art is intent, and there's plenty of intent, and that's why it works, I think.
3: Yeah. The way he starts it out, just the... It's quite possible I'm your third man, girl, but it's a fact I'm the seventh son it's like so trying to be so epic like I don't know what, exactly what he's talking about and even the way he the way he sings the song is the same as the guitar it's so just whoa man bring in a little melody it's it's just it's all just emotion like it, it's not fun to listen to like if you're in a certain mood sure but otherwise it's like
2: Back off, bro. I, 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 Back off. I, I don't. I don't agree with. I don't agree with you there. I mean, the the Seventh Sun thing is a is a blues song by Willie Dixon, and, and he took it from that. That's just and a that's, common,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: That, and that's used in uh, multiple blues songs. So I mean, this is basically an a- homage to the blues. This song. So like the lyrics are kind of irrelevant. I and I did even read that he just kind of came up with them. Yeah. To, you know, like? Yeah. They're they're just filler. Yeah. Basically, with a couple of with a couple of cool as we call yeah, them he's rock just and talking roll shit
0: lyrics. Shit over a riff.
2: Yeah, pretty much. And and yeah. he tends to do that a good bit. But yeah. And that's why he is kind of a modern day bluesman. Like that that's no, who exactly. he is.
0: But he's authentic. Like he's like modern authentic. It's
1: quite that I'm your third man, girl. But it's a fact that I'm the seventh son.
2: We can move into since Neil you just said that the vocal, which is I think that's the big turn off for some people about Jack White, right? Yeah. Is, he, he's not very melodic. Like you said, he just screams. It's almost like blues, e- emo blues. And there's some songs that it really gets on my nerves and I can't listen to. Like when he tries to do ballads yeah. for the most part, I'm kind of well, out. Well, ballads,
3: the acoustic stuff can be tough. Yeah. And like, yeah. I just, I can't listen to more than a handful of them in a
2: row. It's just. I th- I, but unlike you, I think it works in this song. It I think it works, works
3: in this song. Yeah, I, I think it, I think it's cool. But it, I think it works for what he's trying to do. I just don't know if I like what he's trying to do. That makes sense, because there's also a lot of speak
2: singing yeah, in this, yeah. which, you know, his voice is fine when he's doing that.
3: I was talking about live. I'm, I'm glad you like it, but I've seen I've watched a lot of live versions. And if his guitar is out of tune and he's not on his A-game singing, it's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. It can be brutal. Like, <laughs> can be I, I, to, you to look like you're it. having so much fun. Good for you. <laughs>
0: I would rather, though, I'd rather it be kind of unique and his voice be kind of scratchy in that than just be like, Another quote-unquote like yeah, blues yeah singer, no, like, cheesy on, on a cruise ship kind of nonsense. The, my thing is like brevity in, is important in these kind of songs, and he gets he yeah. gets a little like dude, there's a run-on sentence here. Like, what do you just clean <laughs> wrap it up?
2: Yeah, stop it with these compound sentences. Uh, <laughs> and now that brings us to the vibe time section of our podcast. Cue the music in oh God. three. Two, one. You can feel the battery dying in this thing. Like we have to. We gotta replace <laughs> the, the this. Ba- the battery is dead.
3: Uh, <laughs> Neil, what you got? When um, do you want to hear this song? Basically, not ever. But I would love to hear it in a multiverse where I actually like them, where they're the blue stripes. And they were in another blue. dimension. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd love to hear
2: them in the multiverse when they're the Black Keys. Jonathan, what you got?
0: Oh uh, yeah, I'm always happy when this song comes on. It's once again, man. It's um, it's unique. It, 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 he's doing something that a lot of folks think they can do or whatever, but they don't. And the fact that when he does it, it resonates with so many people. I mean, like when it's in the beginning of the Social Network, it's like, well, that's it's fucking sweet. Yeah, right at the very yeah, beginning. I think even before the, the, the scene Absolutely. comes on, I think maybe it's still in the dark, maybe. It has a sense. Oh, yeah, it yeah. has an immediate and, sense of gravity to it, and oh yeah, that's 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 essential in the blues. So I, yeah, I'm always happy when this tune comes on.
2: I agree. I mean, I I can uh, you know it's good. I like hearing in the car live. When I saw them live, at least uh, that must have been the ten percent, <laughs> Neil. You're part, um, you're part of the ten percent.
3: <laughs> good for you. You know,
2: working out, going for a run. <laughs> I, maybe I could even hear this at a barbecue. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty. At I'm pretty. I can hear this. Pretty much any times, except for like uh, quieter times. Uh, don't, I don't need the octave pedal madness. In, at so a not in the library. <laughs> not in the library. Not at dinner. Not when you're not playing the quiet game.
3: But definitely in a car <laughs> or a bar.
2: Well, since we're in a car, why don't we slide under the influence? And <laughs>
0: That's a great time to fucking go under the funds.
2: <laughs> 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 Kidding. I'll I'll start this one off. The yeah, obviously, you know, Robert Johnson, Sun Sunhouse we said, I think like you got Cream, Jimmy, Stevie Ray Vaughan. I think I think what it has influenced is, you know, the Black Keys, Cage the Elephant, Shovels and Rope, Parquet Courts, any really any rock band that's kind of focused on blues, uh after two thousand one. Yeah, it's a good. that's a good. Who is it? Band. I mean, they're a little more punk rock.
0: There's a group from England called Royal Blood that's pretty good. It's uh, I think a guy's playing bass, but he does like an octave thing too. So it, they're they're kind of cool. Nice. And yeah, I mean, obviously the uh, the Black Keys. Um, obviously, he came from um, Sunhouse and all like all the Delta guys. But you know, you gotta imagine some of that's, that fire. It comes from the influence of being in a band once again with his ex-wife, which must be just like. <laughs> Oh right! In in true bluesman
3: fashion, which is know. just like yeah, and he called him his sister. So <laughs> yeah, that, that that's pretty inventive. In I obviously all the blues. It's it's straight just blues influenced. I mean, from the get go, and the guitars. Like I said, Jimi Hendrix, Jimmy um, Jimmy Page. It like I hear a lot of Zeppelin in his playing for sure, in the riffs. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, I feel like it was influenced by just the Stooges and kind of like that, that crossover of blues, rock, and punk. I feel like this is kind of For emo sure. punk blues, you know, because it is raw. It's almost like the Sex Pistols playing the blues. So so you're
2: saying it's like if the Sex Pistols and Dashboard Confessional formed, like...
3: I wouldn't do Jack White that dirty, no. <laughs> uh. I think that's a new show on Dashboard, Dashboard,
2: Dashboard Pistols. Uh, the, <laughs> I, one, one, one more thing. His voice kind of reminds me of Billy Corgan a little bit.
3: I think he's doing a like a a C plus Robert Plant too. He's trying to like the way he's singing. Maybe like, uh, but I'll, it's yeah, terrible. You yeah, can't hear it like, unless you like really listen. Unless you Plant. listen really closely. <laughs> I've always thought well, about this.
0: I for, I kind of forgot. He's he's like a Keith Richards without the Rolling Stones because Ooh, he's very riffy. No.
3: I don't see that. No, he's all.
0: very riffy. Like look at the riffs. Look at he, the He key writes riffs. the songs. He writes the songs. Has an interesting, kinda weird, quirky voice playing with a kick ass drummer. You take yeah. out Mick and yeah. Charlie and Mick Taylor and you boil it down to the stones to like. But you know, Keith cook.
3: would have better riffs and less solos. It oh, uh, wouldn't sound good. as frenetic. It'd be a lot more laid back.
0: Think about the way the solo comes in on Sympathy for the Devil. Down, it's just very attacky. Down, he's just yeah. Down. No, that's
3: a good comp. That's a good comp. Um, that kind of I dig stuff.
2: it. Well, now now that we're talking about Keith Richards, why don't we why don't we hop onto the covers, boys? Um, the, <laughs> Jonathan, uh, how many covers do you listen to?
0: Um, me, none. <laughs> I mean, I've seen the live stuff, um, and it's kind of like
3: there's like you can't cover this song. It's it's already just a blues experiment. If you're gonna cover this, you should just Turn up your amp and sing your own music and just play the blues loud because that's all he's doing. You don't need to cover the song. Yeah. But Bob Dylan covered this song in 2004, and Jack wow. White came out with him. Which kudos, my brother Jack. I mean, Jesus. If Bobby's covering your bugs. song and you're there to come out and sing the second verse with him, that's that's really cool. I mean, it's a mess. It is a it's mess. mess. Thank Bob
0: Dylan for making me seem like a good singer.
3: Yeah, it's a it's but, a mess, but but
2: the the crowd's so into it, it, it's it's fun to listen to. And
3: one more, I I was looking for covers on uh, YouTube, and I scrolled past this high school band's rendition. Uh, audio was terrible, but I loved their high school band name was Shark Week. <laughs> Shark
2: Week, baby, Shark. <laughs> um, so so yeah so I'll I'll just list a couple. There were a couple of covers. Raised by Uncles did a 100 like a completely unnecessary instrumental version of this, which dope. And then there, there there's another cover by Eight Bit Arcade, which just sounds like a video game. So why like would you ever one. listen to it? Um, yeah, like why would you listen to it unless it was in a video game? He kind of mashes this up with some stuff in a recent SNL performance that is a pretty. It's 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 worth a watch. I I enjoyed that. Yeah, that was fun. Neil the yeah, under the Great White uh, Northern Lights, live is like you said. It is not great. It is very frenetic and like not good. And then there's another one, uh, live from Japan that I kind of I kind of enjoyed. It, it, it's clean. It's got good energy.
3: Scrolling through some live versions, I said I didn't like any of them, but there was one, uh, 2007 in Paris, where they're really um I think really getting after one. it. It's it's great video editing. It's it's a really is cool it black performance. and white. No, I saw it in full color. Um, And I do love, I love Jack White's confidence and the way he branded the band. I mean, it's almost like more pure confidence than talent in some ways. just the way he just, he made this whole fucking huge Uh, thing.
2: Speaking of Jack White, I I met this girl at a bar in college and I, I walked her home and she was like, yeah, I'm from Detroit. And I'm like, oh, cool. And like, whatever, this was around that time she was like yeah a good friend of mine was like jack white's first girlfriend and i was like oh really she was like yeah i was like what was what was he like she was like he was interesting very big dude very tall she was like i just remember we'd go over there and he'd be just sitting in his room playing guitar and we'd be like get up to leave and you're like no sit listen to me play guitar
0: <laughs> Did they? She was
2: like, he was so intense bown, and like intent on you have to hear me do this yeah i because i'm so good oh you know like to what you said neil
0: I worked at a restaurant in North Carolina, and this chick I worked with was like, Yeah, my friend's band is doing pretty good. I'm like, What are they called? And she's like, The White Stripes. I was like, "Eh, That's a fucking stupid name. I was like, They probably fucking suck. Like, just another dumbass MTV band. And uh, (laughs) so I didn't, whatever. And then I remember I was on a plane back from England, and I listened to that, fell in love with a girl. And literally within like two measures, I was like, Okay, yep, yep. There's definitely something happening here. This is good stuff.
3: Well, and the main reason I brought up the uh, the multiverse thing, where like there 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 is many universes where I really dig the white stripes. But back when uh, I worked at the Mellow Mushroom, Jonathan, uh huh, um, this this one of our employees and his little brother, they're kind of two hated guys in a big kitchen of like twenty people. And as we're cleaning up, he always put on the white stripes and pl- start playing air guitar. And everyone hated him. He even had the nickname Chinstrap. So I see Chinstrap over there playing air guitar. To bang, 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 I'm like, fuck this band. <laughs> well, that's not so So ch- Chinstrap is the reason you resent Jack White? Jesus. Yes, kind of. <laughs> it just. It, my introduction to the White Stripes was just, it was an ugly one. So Was via Chinstrap. Uh, <laughs> Thank God he didn't turn you well, on to the
2: Beatles. <laughs> in saying that, uh, Neil, how does the shoe fit?
3: Well... I dig the style, but unfortunately they do not fit. The box came with two lefts.
2: Oh. Nice. oh. Oh, Johnny. These
0: fit like Chuck Taylors, where it's like, man, like it's the same old shit, but God, they're still fucking cool, and somehow these seem to be cooler than anything else going on, any other shoes I'm seeing right now. So, yet, tried and true, but you see why it hangs around, just because it, it works.
2: Absolutely. Uh, I would say it fits like a... a a pair of, like a nice pair of red and white sneakers that I don't mind getting dirty. Sneakers.
0: <laughs> you don't mind getting clean? You can come over and clean them together.
2: Uh, we, yeah. We- <laughs> 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 and on that note, we are about to play a cover of the White Stripes Ball and Biscuit. <laughs>
1: It's quite possible I'm your third man, girl But it's a fact that I'm the seventh son Well, it's quite possible I'm your third man, girl But it's a fact that I'm the seventh son You not care less about me But soon enough you will care By the time I'm done Let's have a ball and a biscuit, sugar Take our sweet little time about it Let's have a ball, girl They got sweet little time about it Tell everybody in the place to just get out We'll get clean together And I'll find a soapbox where I can shout it Take our sweet little time about it Let's have a ball, girl Take our sweet little time about it Tell everybody in a place to just get out And we'll get clean together And I'll find
3: a soul box where I can shout it. The cover you just heard was performed by Josh Bond and Jonathan Horton. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Pod gave rock and roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate on Apple and Spotify. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us under the handle at Podgave Rock. Next week is Jonathan's week. What will we be discussing?
0: We're going to talk about Fleetwood Mac's 1976 tune, Silver Springs.
1: Can't wait! <laughs>